Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Howdy doody time. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to rock and roll. Everybody's favorite topic. White nationalism. Yay! Yay! Gather around, children. We're going to talk about white nationalism and why it's so important that Congress had to spend a whole day talking about it. Much to our pleasure, our enjoyment. Thanks for joining us, everyone. What an absolute pleasure to see you there. I think it's Wednesday. I'm not sure. Time flies when you're having fun, oppressing people. Welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie, ladies and gentlemen. I am Boogie Bumper. Thanks so much for joining us. It's not worth a dime. It's, it's, we're already getting into the comments. <laughs> we're already getting into the comments. I was going to call this Periscope, this, this show, this podcast, I was going to put white nationalism in the title, but then I thought, yeah, that's, that's trying too hard. Because, you know, we're just going to get a whole bunch of people who just come in and spew. And I'm not against people who come in and spew. They're quite, you know, fun to interact with. And I enjoy hearing, getting their two cents worth. But to be honest, it's kind of late. It's kind of late for me anyway. So I hope you've had a lovely day. I certainly have. Um, there was a couple of things happening on Capitol Hill and these things were being live streamed out into the you know, what we would call the quote-unquote the real world, which is more unreal by the day, ironically. Um, I thought it was strange that they would do this this all-important white nationalism congressional hearing on the same day that William Barr was speaking and the same day that uh, Steve Mnuchin is speaking to Maxine Waters, explaining complicated things like how money works, what an economy is, and what finance means to Maxine. But I just caught James. If you don't follow James, he was on just before me, Real Person Politics at Real Person PLTCS. I didn't know this. He was saying that for the first time in history, William Barr is going to color code the redactions. They're going to color code the redactions. So there will be a code like, so a certain redaction will have a certain color and that certain color quantifies it as a certain kind of redaction, whether it's like, you know, um, executive privilege or, you know, private information or what have you. And I just think that's the best thing ever. I think that's utterly fantastic, especially when white nationalism is being quoted. So no more black redactions. You'll be pleased to know. No more microaggressions on the pages of serious documents, ladies and gentlemen. Well done, William Barr. Making it so easy, even a child could read it. <laughs> Why not just hand them all a, a Where's Waldo book? Why not just do that? There you go. Look for the Russian. He'll be wearing the big hat. I don't know. It's a farce. It's a farce. But... I tuned into a little bit of the William Barr thing and I thought, yeah, you know what? This is far too boring. 
So I switched channels over to the the hate crimes and white nationalism committee hearing in the house. And how could I not be enthralled with Ted Liu? Ted Liu, was, Jerry Nadler was there. The whole gang was there. And the GOP invited one Candace Owens. So I thought I have to see why the Nazis, i.e. the GOP, invited a white supremacist like Candace Owens to speak to the House and thus make a mockery of all of the proceedings. I had to see that. I absolutely had to see it. So we will get into a bit of that. Before we do, though, um, I know Candace Owens, some people like her, some people don't. I don't particularly mind. I quite like her. She's got sass. And, you know, I like attractive women with sass, like if I'm going to be really shallow about it. But, hey, you know, you're here, so you know it's going to be shallow sometimes. No, (laughs) we can get deep later on, but, you know, she's got a bit of sass. I like that. And it's it's one of those things, like, the alt-right really don't like Candace Owens for whatever reason. It's a bit like the Milo thing. So they always try to say that Milo Yiannopoulos is alt-right and he's a spokesman for the alt-right. And I know he courts them, you know, courts their money perhaps a little bit. But if you ask somebody who identifies themselves as being on the alt-right whether or not they like Milo Yiannopoulos, they'll say, oh, hell no, I don't, I'm not, I don't like that fag, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's a similar effect with Candace Owens. The, alt, the alt-right don't particularly like Candace Owens. So it's just, it's so funny to see these these elected leaders to the most powerful government on planet Earth fundamentally getting shit wrong. And, you know, they might be... They're obviously, a lot of them are doing it for political purposes, for, you know, to push an agenda. But I don't... You know what? I used to think that all of them were like that. Now I'm pretty sure that a large chunk of them are just dumb. They're just idiots. After seeing what I saw today, I'm convinced that a large chunk of them are just dumb. You know what I mean? Just dumb. <laughs> We've got a hundred Daily Stormer people comment in the chat. <laughs> there you go, see? Reality doesn't even matter at this point. So you may as well embrace it. You may as well have fun. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash Bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to accuse me of being a white nationalist, then get in line because there's about a million other assholes already lined up down the street. And once you get to the top of the queue, you can follow me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. So let's get rocking and rolling with this first story here, which I thought was deliciously ironic. Considering the episodes that we've been doing recently about Certain governments, people in power, looking to shut down things like live streaming, trying to shut down comment sections and whatnot, trying to eradicate hate off the internet. During the live streaming of this very event, the Congressional Hearing on Hate Crimes and White Nationalism, hateful comments on Flood YouTube live stream of Congressional Hearing on Hate, the Google-owned video service shuts down the comment section on the stream. (laughs) YouTube shut down the comment section on its live stream of a congressional hearing on white nationalism Tuesday after the section filled with hateful comments underscoring the problem lawmakers had gathered to discuss. Really? They gathered to discuss YouTube comments? 
doesn't seem like an appropriate use of taxpayers' money. Many of the comments expressed anti-Semitic views or decried multicultural societies. Others expressed white pride. There you go. White pride. Do you, do you have some kind of philosophical or policy complaint about multiculturalism? Well, then I'm afraid that that's now hate. That's now hate on the internet, ladies and gentlemen. You see how quickly these things shift. The comments overwhelm the live stream as Neil Potts, Facebook's public policy director, and Alexandria Walden, Council for Free Expression and Human Rights at Google, it's an interesting job title at Google, appeared before the House Judiciary Committee to discuss the role of the platforms in the rise of white nationalism. <laughs> Both companies have been under mounting pressure to combat hate speech. Again, people expressing white pride equals hate speech following a string of hate-ridden events, including a white nationalist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017 that led to one death, a shooting at a Pittsburgh synagogue last year that killed 11, and a terrorist rampage in New Zealand earlier this year that left 50 Muslim worshippers dead. The New Zealand shootings renewed pressure on tech companies because the gunman livestream part of the attack on Facebook, which we've already discussed, 10 people watched. The video spread to other social media sites, including Twitter and Google-owned YouTube, raising questions about the ability of tech companies to combat hate speech. I still am not sure why live streaming equals hate speech. Why I, I Nobody has yet presented to me one case where live streaming has caused a murder. What I do see, unfortunately, is politicians falling over themselves to blame everything except the guy who had the gun in his hand. Ah, oh, this was caused by hate speech. This was caused by live streaming. This was caused by websites on the internet. No, no, no. Fundamentally, no. It was caused by the guy who held the gun, who pulled the trigger, and who aimed it at other people. That's who caused it. It wasn't Facebook. It wasn't Twitter. It wasn't hate speech. The flood of toxic comments during the congressional hearing demonstrated the difficulty tech companies, which often rely on users to flag inappropriate comments, have monitoring activity on their platforms. This just illustrates part of the problem we're dealing with, Jerry Nadler said. On Tuesday, YouTube opted to shut down a basic element of its service to control the problem. That's not really controlling the problem, though, is it? I mean, I don't want to get semantical here. I don't want to be anti-semantic, but... If you shut down the service, you're not controlling the problem. <laughs> you are shutting down the service. This would be like cutting off the water supply because you have a leaky tap. You haven't fixed the leaky tap. You've just stopped water going to the tap in the first place. Do you see the difference? Quote, hate speech has no place on YouTube. We've invested heavily in teams and technology dedicated to removing hateful comments and videos. YouTube said in a tweet, Due to the presence of hateful comments, we disabled comments on the live stream of today's House Judiciary Committee hearing. Before the four-hour hearing, anonymous YouTube users made racist and anti-Semitic comments on the platform. The irony wasn't lost on observers. 
CNN reporter Donnie O'Sullivan said in a tweet that having hateful comments appear beside a live video of a congressional hearing about hate on social media was the most meta thing today. Rep Jerry Nadler, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and a New York Democrat, emphasised the seriousness of the issue. White nationalism and its proliferation online have real consequences. Americans have died because of it. Why aren't any of these statements ever asked to be, you know, why aren't any of these statements ever qualified? White nationalism's proliferation online has killed Americans. Again, I would have thought it was the guy holding the gun that was killing Americans. Not words on a screen on the internet. (laughs) Great comment in the chat. Original Rev. In six months, YouTube will ban itself. It's funny you say that because as with all things, the problem is often about definition when it comes to these kinds of concepts. And who is advising these companies and who is advising the Congress on what a white nationalist is, first and foremost? Well, according to one, Rep Ilan Omar calls Stephen Miller a white nationalist. Rep Ilan Omar from Minnesota took to Twitter on Monday to criticise White House advisor Stephen Miller's influence on policy and called him a white nationalist. Miller has been known for having a major influence over President Donald Trump's immigration policy and was reportedly instrumental in the ousting of Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen. Stephen Miller is a white nationalist, Omar tweeted. The fact that he still has influence on policy and political appointments is, quote, an outrage. I'm outraged. I'm outraged. Stephen Miller has influence over policy. He's a white nationalist. I said he's a white nationalist. He must be. Because you see, a guy who works in the White House, according to Ilan Omar, is a white nationalist. Therefore, he should be banned off YouTube, right? If somebody were to define Stephen Miller, a guy who literally works for the president, he would be banned from speaking. Don't you find that a little odd? Now, you might think it's a noble exercise to ban white nationalism off the internet. But first, we really have to sit down and agree upon what a white nationalist actually is. Because Stephen Miller, a Jewish guy who works in a diverse White House administration, I think would take an issue with being labelled a quote-unquote white nationalist. Amazingly so. Donald Trump Jr. said, I see the head of the Farrakhan fan club (laughs) took a short break from spewing her usual anti-Semitic bigotry today to accuse a Jewish man of being a white nationalist because she apparently has no shame. There was a couple of issues with the, I'm not going to play. It was like, I've got, it's like four hours of video. I can't play four hours of video and commentate all the way through it. But I did have a little bit of an issue. I, I really don't like seeing conservatives fall into the identity politics traps. I really don't like seeing it. And so one guy there, I forget which lobby he was from. It was some Jewish lobby. And he was saying, you know, things like people who he was, he was using terms like verbal violence and he was a Republican sympathizer. He was actually on the Republican side of the ledger. 
and he was talking about people who use verbal violence against Jewish people need to be ripped out of their jobs, they need to be taken off committees, they need to be eradicated out of universities, and I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. No. Verbal violence is not a thing. Verbal violence is not a thing. And I don't care if you vote for the left or the right. Once you start getting into the realm of defining things like hate speech and verbal violence, and people need to be punished criminally for words and not actions, indeed interchanging words with actions, then again, I don't care what side of the ledger you're on. You are a very dangerous person at that point. Very dangerous. Because once you open the door to that kind of interpretation, that being words equals violence, then it's only a matter of time before whoever is in power is going to determine your words to be violence. And perhaps they won't treat you as nicely as you would treat other people, given the same power. Let's go to a little clip here from today's proceedings. One of the speakers, which I thought was interesting, she had me on board for the first part, but then you'll see the obvious problems as they arise. Um, Chairman Nadler, Vice Chair Stanton, uh, it's a great honor to be at this hearing. I'm president of the Equal Justice Society. We're an organization that is transforming the nation's con. Oh. Ranking Member Collins, I didn't see you, sorry. Hello. Um, we're transforming the nation's consciousness on race through law, social science, and the arts. Transforming the nation's consciousness. It's starting, I'm, I'm liking it already, but do you see like the, the lovely grandma thing? Hello there. Hello there. It's so, it's so nice to be with you. But wait for it, this, this grandma's got teeth. We often watch these hearings and are really rather startled at the rancor that goes on between the parties. So I have a favor to ask of the Democrats and the Republicans here today. But first, a brief moment of silence for his children and all the victims of hate crimes. For the next five minutes, I would like you all to give me the benefit of the doubt. I want you to listen as Americans and not as partisan enemies. I come in peace. Okay, I'm not an American, so I guess I'm clear. Peace, truly. Rather than list my credentials, I want to tell you who I am. I was born in your state, Representatives Jackson, Lee, Escobar, uh, Garcia, and Goldman. I'm a I'm southerner, y'all. San Antonio, Texas. I'm just like y'all. was in the Air Force and served in Vietnam. I went to desegregated military schools in England, France, and Illinois. I am a Christian. I have been a civil rights lawyer for, 50, for 44 years. Some of the things I'm going to share with you are difficult to hear, but they are facts. In August 1619, 400 years ago, 20 enslaved Africans landed at Jamestown. 400 years In order years to ago. sell, rape, and beat these Africans, white Americans, and I know none of you own slaves, had to see us as less than human. Thomas Jefferson said the following about me and my ancestors. Okay, so first of all, we can, we can definitely talk about what people wrote about slavery 400 years ago. That's, I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. But don't say... Obviously, none of you owns. I know none of you own slaves, but then say this is what Thomas Jefferson wrote about me and my ancestors. He didn't write it about you. He did not write it about you. See the first little issue there I have. 
Now, people might say, oh, that's not a that's not a big point. You know, you're making too much of it and stuff. But it's little things like that that just creep in that just annoy me. This is what Thomas Jefferson wrote about me. No, he didn't. You weren't around. Thomas Jefferson was not referring to you personally. He did not write it about you. He did not hate you. Maybe he would have loved you. Who knows? They have no tenderness and love. They are intellectually inferior. They are physically unattractive. Thus began a narrative, says law professor Shauna Marshall, that black people were only good for physical labor. We were inhuman and violent. This was a narrative necessary in order to justify slavery. White supremacy has been a feature of the mistreatment of Native Americans for years, and it was applied to Africans once we arrived here. From the beginning of our country's inception through the Constitution, the Founding Fathers knowingly and consciously embraced slavery and white supremacy. Politics and white supremacy. White supremacy wasn't even a term back then. It was not even a term back then. Now, of course, people hundreds of years ago used to view different groups and different societies around the world differently. (laughs) But they didn't get around, you know, they weren't working around in brown shirts. White supremacy was not a thing. Including the three branches of government, have played and continue to play a role in the perpetuation of white supremacy and the continued mistreatment of black people, either through action or inaction. In 1857, the Supreme Court, in the Dred Scott decision, reinforced white supremacy by saying black people have no rights that white people need respect. Ultimately, slavery ended, the Reconstruction era happened, black men could vote. And then politics reared its ugly head once again. Okay. Federal troops were withdrawn from the South in order to uh, place Rutherford B. Hayes on the pre- in the presidency, and the reign of terror in the South began. Once again, I'm a, I'm a, okay. a Southerner. Okay. The Ku Klux I'm a Southerner, Klan y'all. I'm one of y'all. They were white supremacists. They lynched people. They made sure that black people could not vote. For years, the NAACP asked Congress to act on anti-lynching laws. Congress refused to act. Fast forward to 1964, our fellow Texan got the Civil Rights Act passed, but when it passed, he said, we have lost the South for a generation, he said, of Democrats. Six years later, the Southern strategy was devised to encourage white people to abandon the Democratic Party and vote for the GOP. It was a shrewd and effective political strategy, but it drove yet another wedge between black and white people. Uh. Fast forward to 2008. America elects a black president. Here we go. Unfortunately, this proves very unsettling to many people who have felt superior to black people when there's a black president and a black family in the world. What? <laughs> it's very unsettling for a lot of people. What, the millions the millions of white people who voted for the guy? Arguably, many of them were a little unsettled by the end of Barack Obama's reign on the throne, seeing as many of those who voted for Barack Obama in the years previous ended up voting for Donald Trump two years ago. (laughs) Maybe they, maybe you're right, maybe they did find it a little unsettling that Barack Obama turned out to be the kind of president that he was, perhaps. Unfortunately, White House. In 2015, Donald Trump began his campaign by calling Mexicans rapist. No, he didn't. <laughs> so, 
it's like it's like it all roads lead back to Donald Trump, don't they? All loads all roads lead back to Donald Trump. And now we're going to go through the whole list of the exact same shallow one-liner talking points that are used in every single Huffington Post op-ed, every single CNN editorial, every single New York Times letter to the editor, every single Washington Post Donald Trump analysis, every single one of them all repeat the exact same things and they're all false. He called for a Muslim ban. No, he didn't. (laughs) No, he didn't. They were very clear. It was a ban from certain countries because the system that they use to vet people who get on planes and come to the United States were below par. When white supremacists marched in Charlottesville chanting, Jews will not replace us and blood and soil, which is straight from the Nazi playbook. Ah. Mr. Trump said there are good people on both sides. <laughs> Don't you love it? Don't you love it? I'm sure Donald Trump was looking at this thing from the Nazi playbook. To be fair, if the Nazi, the Nazis with the tiki torches, tiki torches, I, I could just see the Nazis of the 1930s kicking back, having a cocktail next to a tiki torch. But again, the good people on both sides it's been it's been ruined so many times but it, 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 we often talk about this reality doesn't matter facts don't matter they're just going to repeat 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 and arguably people just aren't paying attention anymore which i actually think is worse if at least people it's like the football coach Football coaches would rather you hate them but listen to what they say. Politicians would rather you hate them but listen to what they say. Once you stop listening to what people in politics say, then they're gone. They've got no chance. They can't engage you. Whether you like them or dislike them, they don't care. They, they just want you to listen to them. If you're not listening to them, then they're pointless. They're useless because they can't sway your opinion either way either through liking them or disliking them. Straight from the Nazi playbook, ladies and gentlemen. Ted Liu. Ted Liu. Arguably the dumbest man in Congress. Ted Liu plays Hitler comments while uh, in white nationalism hearing. In, in, <clears throat> the, Republicans, the Republicans were lambasted by a few Democrats for... Of all the people you could have invited, you had to bring Candace Owens along. <laughs> That's good. Trust in me. In congressional hearings, the minority party gets to select its own witnesses. And of all the people that Republicans could have selected, they picked Candace Owens. <laughs> I don't know Miss Owens. I'm not going to characterize her. I'm going to let her own words do the talking. I'm going to play for you the first 30 seconds of a statement <laughs> about Adolf Hitler. Now... Ted Liu is so dense, he actually thinks this is going to work out well for him. Watch this. I agree. I, I actually don't have any problems at all with the word nationalism. I think that it gets... Look uh, at the look on his face. The definition gets poisoned um, <laughs> by elitists that actually want globalism. Globalism is what I, what I don't want. So when you think about whenever we say nationalism, the first thing people think about, in, at least in America, is Hitler. 
you know, he was a national socialist, but if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, okay, fine. Problem is, is that he wanted, he had dreams outside of Germany. He wanted to globalize. He wanted everybody to be German, everybody to be speaking German. All right, so my uh, first question is to Ms. Hershenoff. <laughs> and then he moves on. He doesn't even get give her a chance to speak back. I'm not going to characterize Ms. Owens, but here's a 30-second clip out of a one-hour presentation where she appears to praise Adolf Hitler. <laughs> I'm not going to characterize her. I'm not going to characterize her. That would be horrible. That would be a horrible thing to do for Ted Liu. Horrible for you, Ted Liu. Uh, but she did end up getting a word in, and I thought this was wonderful. Back. Gentlemen from North Dakota, Mr. Armstrong. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I would uh, yield my time to Mr. Reschenthaler from Pennsylvania. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Owen, uh, Ms. Owens, I'm sorry, we just started a recording. Um, would you like time to respond to that? Yes, um, I think it's pretty apparent that uh, Mr. Liu believes that black people are stupid and will not uh, pursue the full clip in its entirety. He purposely presented an extract, an extracted the clip. The witness absent. will suspend for a moment. Oh, Jerry. Jerry, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? Jerry, are you not going to allow this black girl to speak her mind? Jerry. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Surely you can allow this black woman in a hearing on white nationalism to say her piece, to respond to the criticism, Jerry. Jerry, what this is this is very oppressive behaviour of you, Mister Nadler. Let's carry on. Not proper to refer disparagingly or with, to a member of the committee. Oh. Uh, the witness will not do that again. Oh, witness may continue. <laughs> You realise she's just been accused, basically, of being a Hitler lover. <laughs> Let's carry on. Sure, even though I was called despicable. Um, Witness may not refer to a member of the committee as stupid. I didn't refer to him as stupid. That's not what I said. That's not what I said at all. You, you didn't listen to what I said. <laughs> I look at his face. He was like, so what? Do you believe it? Look at that. Look at that. So she said, obviously, Ted Liu thinks all black people are stupid. They're not going to look up the whole thing. Jerry Nadler says, you can't call somebody on the committee stupid. She says, that's not what I said. That's not what I said at all. And he sits back in his chair and goes, yeah, whatever. Whatever. No apology. No, I, I withdraw my comment. I withdraw my objection. I re rewind the gavel smack on the desk. None of that. No. Just, oh, well, fuck you. Jerry, Jerry Nadler. Jerry, is this, Jerry, is this Negro woman speaking out of turn, sir? You have to put a stop to that. You have to defend the honour of your fellow male patriarchs, don't you? Don't you, Jerry? Encouragingly, or to a member of the committee, uh, the witness will not do that again. Witness may continue. Sure, even though I was called despicable. Um, witness may not refer to a member of the committee as stupid. I didn't refer to him as stupid. Watch That's Jerry. Not what I said. Watch Jerry. That's not what I said at all. Watch you, him. You didn't listen to what I said. May I continue? Wait, please. 
<laughs> and these idiots think that they have this like moral high ground, right? I saw a comment in the chat a while ago. Somebody said, oh, Candace Owens is just getting paid to do this and robbing MAGA people. Look, everybody's getting paid to do everything, so I really don't give a fuck. Everybody's getting paid at some point in politics. If they're lobbying for something, if they're giving talks, whether they're on the left or the right, everybody's getting paid. So, like, I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Good luck to her. It's capitalism, baby. As I said... He is assuming that black people will not go pursue the full two-hour clip. And he purposefully extracted, he cut off, and you didn't hear the question that was asked of me. He's trying to present as if I was launching a defense of Hitler in Germany, when in fact, the question that was asked of me was pertaining to whether or not I believed... Look at him now. (laughs) Save me, Jerry. Save me from the black-white nationalist. Save me from the Hitler youth, Candace Owens. Jerry, Jerry, please. Jerry, please. Don't leave me here, Jerry. Come on. Jerry, please. Yeah, like I said in the, in the, in the beginning, some people don't like Candace Owens, and that's fine. You know, people have their reasons, and they'll say she's an opportunist and stuff, but um, who would you prefer? Would you prefer her in this moment doing this to these people? Or would you prefer somebody in there who looks down at their chest, goes, oh, well, you know, I'm really, they really don't want to say the wrong thing. Hopefully I'm not offending anybody. You know, I don't think it's really fair that you tried to cast me as like some kind of Hitler lover. Um, You know, with respect, uh, that comment was kind of taken out of context. And, you know, I don't think it's really fair to treat me that way. Or would you prefer somebody that goes in there and goes, nah, fuck you. And lets them have it. Who talks back. And who who gets the Democrat chair of this committee actually admitting that he didn't listen to what she said and just trying to silence her anyway. He's like, oh, well, whatever. That shit's effective. I like it. Or not, I believed in nationalism and that nationalism was Look bad. And what I responded to was that I do not believe that we should be characterizing Hitler as a nationalist. He was a homicidal, psychopathic maniac that killed his own people. A nationalist would not kill their own people. That is exactly what I was referring to in the clip. And he purposely wanted to give you a cut up similar to what they do to Donald Trump to create a different narrative that was unbelievably dishonest. And he did not allow me to respond to it, which is worrisome and to tell you a lot about where people are today in terms of trying to drum up narratives. By the way, I would like to also add that I work for Prager University, which is run by an Orthodox Jew, and a single Democrat showed up to the embassy opening in Jerusalem. I sat on a plane for 18 hours to make sure that I was there. I'm deeply offended by the insinuation (laughs) of of revealing that clip without the question that was asked of me. Where are you, Ted? Where are you, Ted? (laughs) There he is. There he is. If you're listening to the podcast later on, you can't see the look of Ted Liu trying to pass, would you say, a beer keg through his puckering, violently puckering asshole right now. (laughs) He's not in a good way. There was another moment uh, earlier on where uh, David Cicilline came out and, cheer up, Cicilline. He tried to make some disparaging comments about Candace Owens. And I was watching in the chat. The chat was a great time, by the way. There wasn't much hate, but there was a lot of comedy involved. And I was watching in the chat and Candace Owens started to hit Cicilline back. And I I don't know, maybe I can find the 
Yeah, here he is. Here's Cicelline. We'll we'll play it. Because Cicelline has this habit, ladies and gentlemen, of he he rails on somebody in the hearing. He did the same thing to Kirsten Nielsen. And when they start giving their response, he gets up and walks out because <laughs> he doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> so let's see what Cicelline's got to say. A letter himself. from Ben the Ark to the committee that reads in part, it is not only the Trump administration's rhetoric, supremacists, making, as you say in your report, uh, making white supremacy the most deadly type of extremist movement in the United States over the last 10 years. That is a fact. Okay. And we have to do something about it. And that's what this hearing is about. This is the guy who admits BuzzFeed articles for evidence in these hearings, by the way. About. And so I want to begin with um, first the, the, the technology platforms, because I do think something that is different today is that the ability of white supremacists who are advocating violence and advocating and preaching hate have an ability to reach many more people because of the advent of technology. And so it seems to me, I, I would take it both you, Mr. Potts, and you, Ms. Aiden, agree that those, there's, a, there's a rise in white supremacy activity in the United States. I think that's pretty clear, correct? You, you don't dispute that. Uh, it's all Donald Trump's fault too. So let's go to Candace O here, the, the known white supremacist who was invited by the Nazis to speak. My time to yield to uh, Ms. Owens. If there's anything that's been said, I'm the last Republican here. So if there's anything that you would like to respond to, I'd like to give you uh, the balance of my time to do that. Uh, yes, I actually wanted to respond to Congressman Cicilline um, because he was making references to me and I, and I thought that was a bit cowardly. Um, he said, uh, <laughs> I thought that he was making references to me and I thought that was a bit cowardly. You ain't seen nothing yet. Because it was about this time that I informed the chat room that I was in. You watch. Cicilline's going to get up and walk out here. He always does. When he said that the president refused to condemn white nationalism, Mr. Potts just literally gave the exact quote, the president doing just that. Uh, he does not want to accept the reality that the president has under multiple occasions condemned white supremacy and white nationalism. And the best condemnation of that is in the president helping the black community every single day with his policies. He also brought up family separation. This seems to only be an issue um, uh, for illegals at the border, and nobody ever wants to talk about black babies being separated from the womb of black mothers. So if he actually cared about that, he would be embracing me. And lastly, he brought up the rhetoric of the president um, as, in the same breath that he referred to me as despicable. I'm tired of hearing the left refer to people as despicable, as deplorable. We are Americans and we are patriots. And even if we disagree with you, name calling should not be something that is done, especially in, in, in these chambers. Empty chair. <laughs> Empty fucking chair. Cicilline is the epitome of people who can dish it out but can't take it. He is he is rampant for this. He did like I said, he did the exact same thing to Kirsten Nilsson. Accused her of all of these horrible hate crimes and disgusting views and hate speech and stuff. She starts bashing him over the ear, saying you're completely ridiculous. And then you go back and Cicilline's getting up and walking out the back. <laughs> Empty chair. Empty fucking chair from Mr. Cicilline. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, utterly fantastic stuff. Uh, I'll just kick it over quickly to Europe while we're here. Salvini appeals for populist alliance ahead of European elections. 
Italy's hardline interior minister, Matteo Salvini, gathered a handful of European far-right parties in Milan on Monday in a bid to forge an unlikely alliance of nationalists ahead of next month's European Parliament elections. We're broadening the community, the family. We're working for a new European dream. Salvini heads the Anti-Immigrant League party and was flanked by Jörg Muten of Alternative for Deutschland, Oli Kotro from the Finns party and Anders Vistessen of the Danish People's Party. Despite their shared dislike for immigration, multiculturalism, the left and the EU, Europe's populists remain divided on many other key issues. Today, for many citizens and peoples, the European Union represents a nightmare, Salvini told the meeting in a luxury Milanese hotel under the slogan, Towards a Common Sense Europe, Peoples Rise Up. This was sent to me the other day by friend of the show, Larry, if he's in the chat. Uh, this was a report on RT. So, unfortunately, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Democrats, comrades, if you are in the audience, once you watch this, you will, of course, vote for Donald Trump in 2020. I think that's the way it works with Russian media. As soon as you view Russian media, you're instantly going to vote for Donald Trump and accuse Hillary Clinton of drinking baby blood in sacrifice, you know, sacrificial rituals, satanic rituals. I think that's how it works. I'm not sure. I'm not an American, so obviously it doesn't apply to me, the same kind of Russian propaganda stuff. But apparently if you watch an RT clip, uh, you'll become, you'll be marching down the road in your red hat looking to oppress people from the other side of the border. Lickety split, so I've been told. But let's have a look. Well, a Muslim party in Belgium says it's preparing to campaign for setting up an Islamic state there. Two candidates from the newly established Islam party won seats in a recent municipal election. Let's discuss this now with Philip Klaas, a Belgian Euro MP. Thank you so much, Mr. Klaas, for joining RT. Now, the party plans to run in Belgium's national election in two years' time. What do you make of their achievements thus far? Well, of course, it's very worrying to see what's happening now. We see people from uh, with an Islamic background uh, forming their own political parties now and demanding, you know, the introduction of Sharia law and an Islamic state in Belgium. Uh, we've always predicted this, uh, but up till now, um, Muslim people uh, mainly supported uh, socialist parties and other leftist parties, but now they feel apparently confident enough uh, to make their own party and to make their own revendications and uh, this is uh, something really worrying I think why would it be worrying what are you some kind of xenophobe some kind of bigot bro some kind of bigot bro what are you worried about I used to have this conversation with people when I was in Paris in 09 speaking in horrible pigeon French to Parisians and they were talking about you know this kind of stuff even back then and I would say to them, you know, at the current rate of immigration and birth rates and stuff, you're going to be outvoted very quickly. And they say, what do you mean? I said, well, well, eventually all of the people that you're letting in, they're going to have children. You're having like less than two children per couple. They're having four or five and they're going to outnumber you. And they're like, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, it's, they're not going to be over 50% of the country anytime soon. And I'm like, well, no, but that's not the way elections work. They don't have to be over 50% of the country. If you can get a voting block, a coherent voting block of, say, 15 to 20% of the population, you can effectively run the government. Because the two major parties, or three major parties, it's even worse in places like France because it's not a strict two-party system. You see, you've got four, five, six parties, 
And oftentimes the party that ends up ruling will have to form a coalition with all the other parties. This is how you get weird situations in European politics where conservatives do deals with socialists to form government. But in order to do a deal to, with the socialist, in order to do a deal to form government, you're going to have to give certain things up. So if you can have a coherent voting block of 20% of the country, which gets certain people elected, and if that block is uh, centralised in certain areas, certain districts, which tends to happen, you know, rightly or wrongly, naturally or unnaturally, when large populations move into a new, new country, they tend to all move into the same areas. So what you'll happen is, what you'll have is a coherent voting block in certain areas where they can elect the people that they want. Now, once you get a critical mass of votes, like I said, you know, upwards of 15 to 20 percent, then the other political parties will have to do deals with you and give you what you want in order for them to retain government. And that's where it starts. So if you merely take that to its logical endpoint. If the immigration continues at the rate it is, and if the birth rate situation continues at the rate it is, once you know certain people advocating for certain laws get a certain amount of power and they're able to enact those laws, I would say to these French people, how long do you think you're going to have sexual liberation, uh, drinking wine on the street? You know, how long do you think your what you imagine as your French culture? How long do you think it's going to be before that just gets voted out of existence? If you continue on the current path that you're on, what do you think? Um, do you think that people who form political parties and take 15 to 20 percent of the vote, running on hardline, perhaps, you know, uh, subjectively hardline or relatively hardline Sharia compliant policies, do you think that they're going to just allow you to continue doing what you're doing? <laughs> do you think they're going to allow the strip clubs? Do you think that they, you know, or do you think that they might just ban that, ban that shit because they have the power now? Like, what makes you think, do you think that if somebody is raised in a hardline government situation or a hardline culture from somewhere else in the world, do you think if they move to the Western world that they just, as soon as they set foot onto the land, they instantly become French? So they start walking around on the beach topless? Or do they just you know, pretty much do what they were doing before without the threat of being killed if they don't comply to it. Which one do you think is more logical? Which one do you think is more feasible as a situation? And you can see it playing out right in front of your very eyes. <clears throat> so European elections are to be held soon. Apparently the far right, the Nazis and the bigots, they're all teaming up because they are xenophobic. And in Belgium... Uh, the, is the Islamists are vowing a campaign for an Islamic state within Belgium, a separate state within Belgium, because progress means um, breaking up countries and peoples into ever smaller groups and imposing their will on others. Because, hey, progress, baby. Don't be against progress. I try to end on a high note. Got this one from the New York Post showing what a great state society is currently in. Uh, drunk Spirit Airlines passenger moons as she gets kicked off plane. Let's have a look. Yeah, 
blue, everybody. You want my snap, yeah, I'll take your next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she's getting kicked off a plane because she refused to turn her phone off. She's drunk. And in response to getting kicked off the plane, she flashes everyone her bare ass. I'm not I'm not sure how this would, you know, aid her cause to remain on the flight, but apparently it works in some cases. Oh, come find me then, bitch! Come find me then, homie, motherfucker! <laughs> Motherfucker, homie, come on, come fight me then, bitch. <laughs> God. <laughs> I bet you thought white supremacy was the real problem, didn't you? Didn't you? Do something! Do something! Do something! Nothing! You a pussy asshole! Just like my mother, my mother makes more motherfucking money than you. You are motherfucking pussy asshole. Ah, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I'd almost be in favor of banning live streaming after seeing enough of that. I could I could have my mind changed. You know what? Put me down. Put me down. Ban live streaming. If it stops drunken thoughts waving their cellulite riddled ass in the faces of airline passengers, innocent airline passengers whilst their, their vodka-infused spittle splatters on the faces of the people in the front row, then sign me up for a live stream ban. I think I've had enough at that point. Motherfucker. <laughs> Classy lassie. Classy lassie. Ladies and gentlemen, society is in a great place right now. Absolutely wonderful place. So if you missed the theatrics of today's hearing, um, there will be a link in the show notes, of course, plus all the other articles we responded to today. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us. I'll be back again tomorrow. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to tell me about how much money your mother makes compared to me, you can do so by getting in touch on Twitter at boogie bumper. Till next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. See you soon. Bye-bye.
remember the headline today. Neo-Nazis on Capitol Hill invite white supremacist Candace Owens to explain hate crime. Motherfucker. You got a problem, bitch, huh? Huh? I don't even need this motherfucking flight. My mother makes more money than you do, bitch. All right, guys. See you tomorrow. God bless. Bye-bye.